We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Redemption for Golden State. One of the great playoff runs of all time is complete. back light years pod me i'm andy lou we've got samus fendiari uh we are on episode 39 episode number 39 39 another another number no one no one's worries i can already tell how this is gonna go we're gonna like we're gonna get to like 40 to 42 and you know we'll be able to name players who are famous and then i'll start just going into numbers that like you know 57 can't think of a 50 you know like you know you think of like some o-linemen on the niners maybe that's like all you can really come up with because like you you just you're just kind of done with basketball numbers after after the mid-30s for the most part (laughs) we'll do the a's we'll do the giants we'll do the niners we'll do we'll do the uh what's the other team that's not going to be in oakland anymore who's your other team that's that's uh, hit a guy 100 mil was that yeah the raiders (laughs) oh well yeah, I'm I'm renewing my fandom on a year to year basis with them. So you have season tickets? That's wild to the Raiders. No, I, I don't have season <laughs> tickets anymore, but I but I do get out to a couple of games a year. It's always uh, the 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 beauty of them sucking this year was people were very much willing to give me tickets the last minute. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like you, you get that like text that Saturday, like, hey man, I'll just give it to you for like uh, face value or less. I'm like, well, okay, fine, I'll take it. <laughs> So that's what we were doing for the Niners game. I mean, that, that's what. We, and then the last, and then the last couple home games, it was impossible at that point because everybody came to watch one dude. So, but, but the, the Niners, it's just like um, just getting down there is oh even. It's like it's triple the hassle it is getting to the Coliseum. 
I've, I mean, we both live in San Francisco, but like, it's just, unless you live in the South Bay, getting down there is, is just such a adventure. Oh my God. It's the worst. Yeah, because football games in general, if you drive, like just you have to chalk up an hour to getting in and out of parking because the amount of people who drive. And it's just oh. like it's just it's so much like at least with going to the Coliseum, you know, you can hop part. You know, I wonder how parking at Chase is going to be then parking and logistics. Oh, it's and... going to be miserable. I mean, I can. <sighs> so you're working on. So well, I don't know if you can talk about it, but I, I have a. um a small role in that project. So I can't really talk about what I'm doing on it, but it's construction construction related. But um, I mean, it's one stop down on the T line from uh, AT&T park. Mm. So I, everyone should probably plan on just going public transit to it. Like all the same ways that you get to AT&T park in terms of BART to the T line, or like if you're coming up the peninsula, taking um, Caltrans, uh, there, there's going to be stops that are just as close to Chase Center. So um, I don't think, like, you just kind of have to punt driving. You know, like, the, the same way no one drives to, or you try not to drive to AT&T Park if you want to go to Giants game, you're going to just, you're just going to have to do that with, uh, with Chase Center. It's going to have to be a public transit option. God, and they'll overlap for two seasons. I mean, for two months, April, May. Yeah, but, but not – ooh, it could be bad for playoff ooh. games, actually, now that I think about it. Yeah, like you get like a Giants homestand while the Warriors are in the oh. Western Conference. It, it'll be pretty bad. But for most of the year, they, they're they counter season, you know? Do we do we think that the Warriors are going to be in the Western Conference or, or in the NBA Finals because we've got a team? We've got your team. After yeah. Saturday well, night. First, well, first off, even if the Celtics do rise to that level, you know, they're not going to knock the Warriors out in the Western playoffs. You're right, right. <laughs> maybe with how good with how good Kyrie looked, maybe. Oh, that was that was the game of the year. That was um I mean, maybe something'll beat it, but at least for a Warrior fan, oh. that was by far that was as fun a game as you could possibly hope for. And not even because of the win. Not even that. I, I think maybe that was third or fourth on the list of the reasons why it was game of the year. It was solely because we got throwback vintage Stephen Curry, 49 points against the league's best defense at home. And he clinches. The and, game and Kyrie was going off Ooh. against him too. Like in any other night, 13 for 18, 36 points are like <laughs> best player in the game. But, but Steph, t- it was just, Two best guard. Uh, well, okay. Most Ooh. people. Yeah, two best scoring. Two best scorers at the point guard position. Can we say that? Is that non-controversial? I think that's that's kind of a fact, right? Yeah, I would say. I mean, two of the best, two of the three best scores in the league, right? I mean, you got those two yeah. and KD, right? Yeah, and they throw Harden there too. Yeah, yeah, Harden. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, and um, they were they were just both feeling it. Like I. I'm trying to think, but Kyrie's had some big games when Steph's been kind of like whatever. And then some of Steph's biggest games have been ones where Kyrie's been kind of in the background. I can't like really think of a game where they both were, I mean, they combined for 85 points. So (laughs) I can't think of a game where we got both of them. I mean, you just don't get those type of games on a consistent basis where like two players are just so in the zone like that. Um, yeah, that was – I mean, didn't Steph score over half of his points? I mean, half of the team's points in the second half there. I mean, it was – I think Kyrie was just another version of Steph. 
Like that, the, the way he was shooting the threes, the way he was finishing, the way he was creating, like it, it looked like we were watching two steps out there. And we've and never was, seen and that. It, and it was the, the type of shots they were hitting. That That's like what always makes it fun when you watch those two. Like, I mean, like Russ can get hot and it's really physically dominant, you know, like when he just starts getting to the rim at will and then hitting the mid range shot and everything. But it's not the level of shot making you see out of Steph and Kyrie. It's not like shake two dudes, step back, hand and face, doesn't matter, that type of stuff, you know? It was just, uh, I mean, it was like a and one mixtape on both sides, basically. So, so I'm ready to, I, I do have a theory, because I know a lot of people feel that in, I think this is not a, uh, an uncommon thought. A lot of people feel that while Steph Curry is a much better player through the long haul and for his career than Kyrie Irving, I think a lot of people feel that in a game or in a series that it might be a wash. I think that at a certain point that this is this is going to be obviously not true because of the way the Warriors are going to guard Kyrie. They're pretty much going to do what every other team in the world will do to Kyrie, what they do to Steph. They're just going to throw the book and just throw the double. And I think when that happens, that we're going to see the difference between Kyrie and Steph. Like it looks you know, the that same was, right now. That, you know, the, the, the thing that was funny was uh, I just finished watching the Celtics-Nuggets oh. game. And they they did that exactly at Kyrie at the end, and he just uh, dropped the pass on the short yeah. roll to Horford, who ended up assisting who the game winner. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was like that was like a vintage Steph Draymond type play. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, that's what's coming, particularly on this Celtics team. Like, there's no one A one B score. Like Kyrie's far and away the best scorer on the team, and everyone else is kind of like you know good players who can get hot here and there, but they're not anywhere near the level of offensive threat that he is like but do you think he can do it i don't know if he's going to be able to do it consistently that's the thing i think he'll be i think he'll be a little bit too aggressive in the way that steph isn't which may be good or may be bad i'm not sure yeah he's not he's not as deferential as steph in those situations um but you know i don't know if you if you watch the way the celtics use him in a lot of those situations they run him essentially as a shooting guard like they they get him the ball Mm -hmm. in the mid post a lot of like, honestly, a lot of similar type of sets that you used to see like Kobe and Iverson get. Um, and I think part of that is because like they know if they give it to him at the top and ask him to start the play in those situations, the ball's just not moving and he'll end up getting like three guys on him and try to shoot over it. Whereas like if you have him run off something in those situations and get it kind of, you know, elbow extended area, he can kind of go into his move and it's harder to defend. So, so I don't know. Uh, it's going to be interesting because, yeah, at some point they're just going to have to put the ball in his hands in playoff series. Like they can't get as cute like that as you know they like to do regular season games. Um, yeah, it, it'll be interesting. Like I, I think definitely if if they had Hayward, who's like another All Star caliber, just kind of fill the gaps, like really good playmaker. Um, it would be harder to guard Kyrie, but in this situation. Um, I don't know. Teams are just going to start trapping him aggressively in the playoffs and daring Tatum and, and Brown to, you know, shoot like they shoot in the regular season. Yeah. I think I wrote about this for Warriors world. I think this is the the rivalry, man. I think this, I don't think this season is it, but I think after this season, I can't, I cannot believe that I'm joining your side uh, for this. I can't believe it, but I think this is it, dude. I, I think Jaylen, the way Jalen Brown attacked Iguodala, I mean, he didn't play all that well, but the way he attacked Iguodala and just really made him look bad. Jason Tatum was terrible, but he's 19. I think he's going to figure it out. 
uh, next year or the year after, and then Gordon Hayward comes back. I, dude, I, I think this is this is it. I think the Warriors, the Celtics have built into what the Warriors were a couple years ago with even more upside because they've got younger wings with more potential. So I think that's the rivalry after after this season for the next three, four, five seasons. Um, I'm with, I, I I'm with you. As long as those guys keep progressing the way they should, um, they God, should I hate be. It's, I mean, they're fun to watch. They, I, I mean, I enjoy watching them play. It, like as much as I didn't want to, like it, they're significantly <laughs> more fun to watch than last year's Celtics with like you know Jay Crowder and his secrets of beating the Warriors, <laughs> like Isaiah Thomas and all. Like th- that team was like plucky and fun and you know like they're they're okay, but it wasn't. I guess it was hard for me to get invested in that team because I knew no matter what they did, there would never be the upside to ever matter. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. this team could easily lose to Cleveland, but um, you you see like the young pieces and how well they play and like how high the upside is. Like there's a, there's a reason to at least keep an eye on like how they're going to progress in, in the way that last year's Boston team had, you know, like unless you're an actual Celtics fan, there's, there's no reason to really care. Yeah. I, I don't think, uh, don't think they have enough uh, this time around, but hey, let's talk about the, I want to go into the margins of the game a little bit. Okay. Um, just in terms of uh, Iguodala, the Warriors bench um, it, it's, it, I'm getting a little bit impatient with the way some of these guys are playing in larger games. Um, Nick Young, what the hell was he doing? I don't know. Omri Caspi, does, he really doesn't want to shoot to this point. Is I'm off the wagon. I'm off the train here. Uh, I'm fed up. McCall's not playing. Jordan Bell's hurt. Looney's been good. But Iguodala's been still missing. I mean, at a certain point, it's concerning. Yeah, so, like, honestly, uh, the two best man. bench players have been David West and Looney. <laughs> it's kind of funny. And it's not close, right? Is there really anybody else that's really come that close to being as good as those two guys? Um... Yeah, I don't know. Iguodala, <laughs> That's crazy. I don't know. Iguodala has had his moments, but like, well, David West has been far and away the best bench player, and it's there. And there's like a sizable gap between him and anyone else. But um, yeah, I don't know. Andre's shot is just so broken right now that I don't know what to think of it. Like, he's never been a great shooter, but he's been streaky enough to be a quasi threat, right? And like, what is he on the season? Is he like twenty five percent now, twenty four? So might like, even lower. I mean, and he he's not taking it. Like at least he's he's never been like as gung ho to take the shot as Draymond. Um, you know, he's just a little more of a thinker of a player, but he'd at least take open ones. Um, yeah, he's twenty three percent on the year, and he's taking one point seven a game, which is the least of his career since he was a rookie. So, I mean, his minutes are also slightly lower than previous years, although more or less the same. But he's just not shooting. He's not even willing to shoot the ball. I mean, and the other thing is with um, – and the other part of it is with Draymond. I think he a couple big stops at the end. Um, but I think the difference between uh, winning, which I think they can do with just Steph Curry and KD, they can just win. Like you can just wor- not worry about that. But the difference between that and just knowing that they'll win no matter what is Draymond Green. Like, if Draymond struggles, which, man, at this point for the past couple of weeks and months, he struggled, be it injuries, shooting, whatever. It's getting a little frustrating to see him not be able to defend the way that he used to. 
um frustrating for him it's just you watch Shane, Shane Larkin blow by him and finish yeah, I was gonna I was gonna say like, I don't think his offense has really been that bad he went through a pretty bad shooting slump when he had the shoulder issues but I I kind of gave that a pass uh but like the rest of his offense was more or less solid like he he was finishing inside a reasonable amount but um yeah the defense is I don't know if it's just him pacing himself like not really getting into it, but he's getting blown by pretty consistently. Knees, shoulders, ankle, elbows. I mean, it seems like he's got it all um, right now. And uh, St- Steve Kerr during press conferences is, is when people ask him about it, he's acting like he doesn't know what's going on. They asked him about the elbow, and we know that it's been there for a week or maybe even right. more. And Steve Kerr just goes, nah, didn't know. Had no idea and literally didn't say anything other than that. So he knows what's going on. He's obviously not talking about it. And I think part of it is Draymond doesn't want to sit, which makes it tough on the training staff and those guys. It's just if he's not going to sit, he's not going to get any better. If he's going to play through it, it's it's one of those things where they need that defense. I think, it, like you said, the shooting, that's whatever. But they need that defense because um, if it's not there and Andre Iguodala can't stay on the court either, that becomes a bit of a concern maybe this season, but more so next season for sure. Yeah. I'm still willing to give Draymond um, benefit of the doubt. It's more wear and tear related. So um, not that that's less concerning, but maybe they'll find ways to rest him. I could totally see him not, you know, playing tomorrow against Utah and then sitting out Friday against Sacramento. So he gets like six days off and like little things like that. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know if that's good enough, but that might might be the way they do it. Like you, the, the thing with Draymond is, I think he's a little more agreeable to sit now, especially since he made <laughs> since he made All Star. You know, like he didn't he didn't want to sit till he was named on the team. I'm fairly confident. Um, but and he never wants to sit a big game. Like you, you getting him to sit against Houston or Boston is, you know, it's it's like pulling teeth. You're just not going to get him to do it. Yeah, but maybe yeah, could, we maybe, see maybe like Sacramento, um, maybe Denver the next, yeah, li- li- you know, stuff like that where there's less of a, um, uh, you know, like oh man, I really need to play against Boston or something like that. Maybe maybe he's a little more agreeable to it. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense, and I, I, I'm I'm all for the extended rest because I mean we we bring it back to Steph. He's in the MVP conversation right now just because hey he took way more than enough time needed to come back from that ankle injury. And then now he's shooting what he's fifty percent. Do you remember free. all the articles on how he's like dropped <laughs> off as a shooter? And I'm like, we're we're doing this in year nine. How long have you watched this guy? Like, yes, he's been like known to go in these like month long, like where he only shoots thirty seven percent or something. Only, like, yeah, yeah, like that's that's him slumping, you know, and and it always ends up and at some point, you know, he. There, there's the correction, and then he just makes everything for a month. Like I don't know why these articles still keep coming out. And, and, and now go ahead. I was gonna say, and it's like, and last year, like it was, it was painfully obvious he struggled with his shot, trying to figure out how to like balance his shooting and getting KD involved. It's like once he figured that balance out, his numbers were fine. They're they're what they always are, you know, give or take one percent. So. And, I, that's I just, crazy too. He, I mean, it's just like he—he's—he's 
he's the best shooter ever. He's going like the, unless you can point to something mechanical or physical, there's no reason to think he's not going to, you know, shoot his way out of it and find his rhythm over time. So I have this thought too that so he's even said Steph has said that this year has been easier for him. He's playing this well because he's not thinking. He's just playing how he is. And and some of the times I think maybe the majority of the times that means that KD is going to take a backseat. And I think that they understand that now on offense. I do. I have this thought that if the Warriors are going to play Cleveland this season in the finals and then never again and pl- not play LeBron again, I do think that Steph will win finals MVP pretty easily because I think that guy that team that franchise is the one that would stop at nothing to see Steph not win the finals MVP because that's the only you know quote-unquote blemish I think every other team they wouldn't care they would just play and game plan for whoever and you know whatever that they think is going to help them win so I think that well, it's just no other over, no other team the Warriors will play in the finals is that bad defensively and that undisciplined to throw three bodies at him and just like they don't even they don't even like trap him that well anymore they just kind of like it, it's 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 like fake hustle it's like when a guy runs out you're like ah with their arms out and I just put my arms out and then like Steph just kind of like pass it to the side and it's an easy layup you know like at least Boston or Toronto who are the only two other semi-realistic teams to face them in the finals like have slightly they have more defensive discipline that they're going to not just like throw four guys at at Steph when you know because you're you have three other all-stars out there you know like you you just can't do that you can you can maybe trap them with two but like you have to rotate around the side they don't do any of the rotating around the backside or anything like that he, you know, he leads the league in secondary assists this year by like a large well, margin. He's led the league in secondary assists for three years <laughs> running, so or at least um, on a per game basis. Like you know, when you when you when you when you average it out for minutes and everything. Like, is he still? He, I actually don't think he lead. I don't think he leads it this year right now because he sat 15 games uh maybe on a per game basis you know i i used to uh back when i used to write for like nine different blog sites i used to be all up in those advanced stats now it's now i'm kind of the the too lazy and just make a shit ton of stuff up i test kind of guy but <laughs> hey whatever supports my steph better argument works for me um but i mean is there anything we need to go through with steph mvp anything I mean, else I, I we need to... he's just playing he's playing as good as i've ever seen him play so my you know, just enjoy it because at a certain point someone else is going to start going off and he's going to defer a little more. And, you know, we're, we're just not going to see the fireworks show that we saw on Saturday night. Um, oh, I will say this part of him saying he's more comfortable has to do with KD too. Um, I think last year we spent so much time saying like Steph took himself out of rhythm to get KD involved. And that was true, but we never really discussed the fact that, you know, KD has now played over a hundred games with Steph and there's a level of him knowing, you know, kind of like where to get the ball to, where to cut to just like little things that make the game easier. So it, it is kind of a two way street on it. You know, like we like to think of KD as kind of a guy you can just put plug in there and he gets 25 points without thinking. And that's true. But like we we've seen an uptick in his passing the last couple of weeks. Like I think he's averaging six or seven assists over the, over the last month. Um, and a lot of that's just like knowing where your teammates are going to be and the natural stuff that comes once you've played so many games with the, with some guys. Man, it's crazy how we just 
don't talk about KD and totally forget about it, but that's a good call. <laughs> we just kind of, I, I think, I think when it's all said and done, we're going to take him for granted a lot. It's just, we just don't, even during you, you're on Twitter during games. I'm on Twitter. It's how often do we even tweet about what KD does? It's just, Hey, he makes a big dunk. It's like, Oh great. That's an awesome dunk or something like that. But we don't, there's no vigor, you know, in, in the way that we talk about KD, the way we do, you know, I mean, anybody else. So I think a, a lot of the credit does have to go for him, like you're saying, just by sacrificing and just not saying anything and really not throwing anything for wrench because he could. I mean, he was the guy that took over the team both ways when Steph was hurt. He carried the team. Um, and then now Steph comes back and it's Steph, Steph, Steph um, for the Warriors nonstop. But Hey, if I were Steph and if I were KD, um, I wouldn't be as quiet as these guys would. But hey, that's why I'm not those guys, right? So it yeah, is crazy I, either they, way. They, at some point, there's going to be some feelings one way or another. <laughs> but I don't think they've hit that pinnacle yet where guys are kind of like kind of over it and want the new challenge and they're starting to get resentful of what they have to sacrifice for this. I think we're still another year plus away from that if, if it comes. Like I think – Warriors management's probably more cognizant of it than we let on, which is why you always hear the Warriors like sniffing around other star players because they know it's better to kind of break this up and insert something new than like let it combust and then all of a sudden you you know you're kind of stuck in a situation. It's a risk, but I I, I don't know, or maybe we're just you know too deluded with watching this team that just is never loses and we're just kind of like making up scenarios to make it more interesting. <laughs> no, I mean the rest of the league at this point is, is in shambles so much, but man, is it entertaining? Uh, we've got to go into actually more warrior stuff next is uh, we got to go into uh, Steve Kerr and my boy LeVar ball. You're the worst. <sighs> I don't have time to read the whole quote. I don't think we're going to do that. But I mean, he called – everyone's maybe. read the quote. He called Steve Millie Vanilli. The key point <laughs> is he goes – he's basically saying you don't need to coach the Warriors. How do you coach KD, Steph, Draymond, and Clay? You know how you coach them? You don't. Turn your back and let them do what they do. As soon as they win a championship, everyone's like, oh, he's a great coach. That team was put together by Mark Jackson. And he jumped up and trying to take all the credit. Like now that's the part that annoys me because we have to relitigate that over and over again. And it's just, I, I just don't have time for con artists, which essentially is what he is. Like he's just a fucking scam artist. Like there's no, okay, other what right. is he scamming? What is he scamming? We have differing opinions. We're going to okay, get, well, okay, we can start with scamming? the fact that big baller brand is given an F by the, <laughs> the uh, better business bureau for not delivering, but keeping people's money. People literally pay them money and never get their money back or the shoes or t-shirts they bought. Like this is an actual thing that people are just pretending isn't going on. So that's, that's, that's scam behavior. Now I don't, he's a, he's a brilliant marketer. He's basically, I have no, like the whole Stan Van Gundy, Rick Carlisle, like, ESPN shouldn't cover him like you know get off your high horse like ESPN will stop covering him when his stories don't get a million times more clicks than anything else right so like I'm not going to blame anyone but the general public for you know kind of wanting to eat that up right it's just kind of like it's what we do you know we can claim we're 
high and mighty, but until people stop caring, he's going to be a thing. But the Mark Jackson thing just annoyed me because there's, there's just so much misinformation about that. And like every time it has to get relitigated is just a headache that I don't want to deal with. We don't have to do that. I think I think our listeners know that Mark Jackson isn't someone that I mean, he did a good job that he did. And then, you know, Steve Kerr took him to another level. I don't think anybody that disagrees with that. Um, well, still subscribe, still rate five stars, but you're wrong. Um, we're not going to go into that today on this podcast because um, it's really it's, it's kind of old news at this point. But um, back to LeVar Ball, though, um, I, I don't I, I don't understand the he seems to get an just vitriol from people. I, I don't understand the amount of hate that he gets just from, I don't think he's done anything bad for his kids from that. Let's start from that perspective. So let's talk about LeVar Ball, uh, sorry, Lonzo, LaMelo, and then the other, the other kid. That's not very well, good. So, I mean, he's not done anything bad for them. Right. And I mean, I a lot pulling of the criticism your, is that he's six- a bad father. I pulling your 16 year old out of high school and having your son drop out of UCLA. I I don't know that those are the greatest decisions. Now, if he makes enough money off of it that they could live, you know, I guess more power to them. Um, But, but how's that different from any other kid that graduates high school anyways and goes to college for a year before coming out or goes over, but are they going pro? Are they actually well? Doing not anything? not the third I get, one. I, get, I don't. I get. Think, I guess the time. I guess time will tell. I, I think it's the middle one. Uh, Lee oh, is right. The, he's like clearly right. never going to be yeah. an NBA player. Yeah, but or, that that's kind of like. But the point of that yeah. is, I mean, that that makes our point. It's like, well, it's really not up to us to kind of say, hey, he's a bad father because he pulled his kid out of high school. It's it's that that may be bad, but it's not something like, hey, he's you know, he's kind of making his kid do this and his kid obviously hates it or something like that. There's nothing we can see tangible that's saying, Hey, he's doing something that's bad for the kids. And as far as we know, the stuff that he's done in terms of charity work and things like that, he's a good dude. And we do know that a lot of his stuff is, 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 is performance art guys that have talked to him like in person away from the cameras are saying, this guy is, is just a normal dude. A lot of the stuff that he says is just for show. And you were saying the fact that we eat it up, I think is more so our fault. Oh, I agree, with you. I agree with you there. Like, him, though, is not, is, not the, is not fair, I think is my point. Yeah, I mean, I'm. it's the same It's the same thing with, like, the Kardashian thing, which, I mean, I think everyone made that analogy, but, like, it's like you, you can say they don't do anything or bring any value, but until people stop consuming it at, like, insane levels, are you really going to blame them for making money off of what the public wants, you know? So I'm I'm never gonna blame him for that. Um, and in terms, of, I would never criticize someone's parenting like without some some very credible proof, which I've sure. none of regarding him. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens. Like uh, uh, Lamelo, the youngest one, was. I mean, maybe he'll be a player. Maybe he won't. He was clearly one of the more talented players for his age group in the U.S until he got pulled out to go to Lithuania. So it, we may look back at it in five years and say stroke a genius, or we may look back at it as like, man, he could have been an NBA player if he just stayed on the normal path. And then they like pulled him out to be a reality star and he just kind of became nothing. So like, <laughs> I, I don't know. We'll okay. see. We'll see. I don't, I don't have a strong opinion on that, but it's just like, um, the, the I guess my, I guess my, what I find interesting is like, I don't see how this ends well for the Lakers. 
uh, <laughs> is my thing. And like, I'm just wired to think about it from like a team perspective. Like maybe, you know, Hey, if maybe, maybe I'm wrong in July, but like, I can't see superstar players wanting to go play with like a rookie point guard whose dad is blasting everyone in the media when, when his son's team loses, you know, well, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know that it's beneficial. I think it's going to lead to, I think it's going to just lead to unnecessary headaches, I guess is what I'm saying. I think I agree on that last part, unnecessary headaches. I think, uh, I, like I said, I, I like him. I don't agree with a lot of things, you know, a lot of things that he says like this and the stuff like calling out Luke Walton. It's like, dude, like, come on. Like that type of stuff. Obviously, is- the Mark Jackson thing is a little triggering because, like, the the amount of arguments had over the years with God, that, with, with, like, it, it, it's a sensitive topic. So I'll, <laughs> I'll take that. I'll, I'll say that there's some bias there in my um. And and also, somebody take his ass off the broadcast too. Jesus Christ! Like, what? No, that no. Yeah, that was unintended. Jesus I mean, Christ! But yeah. Was, best game of the season or like one of the best games and they were more interested in like talking about some ref scandal or something like i was just <laughs> like dude you're watching like Kyrie and steph like just hit like this is what people want to watch like insane shot making you know like you're seeing two of the best shot making performance of the year and you're not even acknowledging it happening these fucking guys, yeah, they're sitting there talking about things that, and, and we've seen Jeff Van Gundy yell at rest. We've seen Mark Jackson go off. Like, bro, like, what are you even talking? It, it's so, and you can hear Mike Breen, who's an awesome announcer. I think half the times I watch the Knicks games is just for him. Um, he's the guy that's in the background commenting on the actual game, announcing the actual game. You got these two buffoons on the telecast just talking about some random crap that, like, honestly, the refs and the players, text and et cetera, it's not even that big of a deal this season. Like it, like it's happening. It's great, but it's blown out of proportion. Like, it, it, it is. I think it is kind of a big deal, but I mean, there's situations that, like, yeah, if it's a go, blowout, talk going about it, you to know those, what I mean? going to those tangents. Yeah. If it's a 25 <laughs> point game, you have nothing to talk about. Like you would literally were given two of the best teams in the NBA playing high level intensity on both sides of the ball with star players going off. Like they're, that was basically the recipe for like the most entertaining type of NBA game you could ever get. You know, like yeah. you, you have everything going like they're, tr- they're both trying. You have stars <laughs> making plays and they're, they're teams that may or may not get to the finals. Like what else do you want? You know, like it's, it's, it, it goes back to like how TNT guys are always like complaining, like, Oh, no one, no one competes anymore. I'm like, you got as competitive a game as you could possibly have, and you didn't care. God, God, yeah. I don't God. know. Yeah, no, that that triggered me too, man. <laughs> Terrible. I don't know. We don't. I don't know how much Lavar, how much Kobe got left. Probably not much. Do we want to talk? Yeah, we about... can we can drop on the Lavar thing. I'm just gonna say I got very triggered by his Mark Jackson point <laughs> because it's like there there's there's illusions there which shouldn't be there. So. No, um, that is fair, and, and and for all your curse slander, um, he's the guy that made all this go. Like when he came back, I mean, Steph is Steph, and he made all of it go. But but Kurt unlocked a large portion of the it's, greatness. It's no different than today. what Phil Jackson did for Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan was a star before Phil. Phil unlocked how to use that you know unique star power to make the team an unbeatable machine. Basically, how to get like 
how to unlock a player's gifts to make everyone else better. And that's what Kerr did. We knew Steph could draw a double team whenever he wanted and could go off. But Kerr's system made it to basically leverage Steph's talent so that, you know, Harrison Barnes could be an NBA champion. So uh, Andrew Bogut could, you know, play better. So, you know, so Zaza could be useful and, and, and so on down the line, you know. So Clay could be an all-star. Clay wasn't an all-star before Kerr. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. We don't got to go into it too much. I think, uh, I mean, I think I might be a bigger cursed end than you though. You are. Um, <laughs> I, I, I just, I, I overreact. So I get triggered every time I see like, uh, a ridiculous fourth quarter rotation. Um, and it gets worse <laughs> in the playoffs, you know, like at this point I've, I think I've chilled on it because I just realized like you have. the season's way too long to get upset about, you know, uh, Steph being on the bench two extra minutes or something Dude, like that. You, we used to go off on that stuff. I mean, like two years ago, like in the yeah. morning, just talking about that, that. That, but yeah, we're used to it now. I think a lot of times we're resigned to it, even. It's just because well, I, I think talking, it's I was, now you're more just thinking the big picture. Once you see like Steph get when Steph got hurt in the 16 playoffs and like all that stuff happened, and then you know you see Steph get hurt again this year and little things like that, and you realize they're playing a hundred games a year. Like you start resigning to, you can't always get the forty-nine point, you know, explosion game every night. You kind of have to look at it as a bigger picture thing sometimes. Yo, I'm gonna I'm gonna go off on a tangent here because I'm annoyed by something, and I, I think this is a it's an ex Warriors coach Alvin Gentry. Um, I am annoyed because he is playing guys, and and maybe it's their medical staff. He play he's playing Anthony Davis over forty minutes. He was playing Demarcus Cousins. A crap ton of minutes he was trying on defense and offense and then we're shot i wouldn't i shouldn't be mad that we're shocked but it is crazy that they are not getting enough blame for the way that they are treating these players and what has happened now with boogie's injury and that has essentially ended the pelican season because of the way he's playing these I guys mean, that injury that injury essentially is going to ship anthony davis out of town like it's I, I didn't think Anthony Davis was going to be the Pelican for the long haul, but you could see if they had a nice playoff run and they kept Boogie, that might invigorate him to, you know, want us. Now, now, you know, it's just a matter of time before the trade request comes in. Maybe it's this it's, summer. Maybe it's in six months, you know? It's not even, but not even that for me. My point is like, it, it's, he, they might ship him, they might not, but it's just, the way that the Warriors go about it, and they have the luxury of doing this, of resting guys, is that guys aren't going to get injured in the long haul. But if we're talking about guys like Boogie and like, hey, like this guy's going to get hurt. He's huge. Like, what do you expect is going to happen? And then you talk about teams like the Houston Rockets that are going like James Harden in his first few games back blew back, blew out his minutes restrictions. Like, what do you what do you think is going to happen to Chris Paul and James Harden in the playoffs when they're playing a crap ton of minutes, right? Because these these medical staffs, these coaching staffs aren't. They don't seem to care or the players don't seem to listen. And that's going to cause these injuries. And people get mad and say, like, I've seen people on time list, hey, the Warriors don't have any crazy injuries. Like, there's a reason why they don't have crazy injuries. Steph has been playing 33 to 35 minutes for the past four seasons. Right? I don't think he's blown past that for a season. Well, um, and, and this is, I mean, there's a reason the best coaches in the NBA seem to all have the best front offices. Like, you could say it about Stevens in Boston. You could say it about Pop in San Antonio, Spolster in Miami. It's because they have a lot of people there that they listen to, and that includes the medical staff and, 
analytics people and everyone who's all thinking, you know, trying to give the coach all the best information possible to make, you know, to, to, you're never going to stop injuries, but to kind of like play the odds as most into your favor as possible. Like we hear about it with the Warriors all the time when guys are getting close to redlining and they decide to rest them or pull back their minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you sometimes freak injuries happen. Steph's ankle injury in December is just, it was just a basketball play, you know, that you can't stop that. But if you can prevent like over overload fatigue injuries, why would you not? I mean, Haverstro, friend of the pod, had had an article today about how fatigue yep. contributed to Boogie's injury. And you hear stuff about how the Pelicans trainers are just people from the Saints who <laughs> they fired right. because they're run essentially as a subsidiary of the Saints. Like, oh, well, we need to get someone better for the Saints, but I don't want to fire this person because I like them. So let's just have them be the trainer for the Pelicans. You know, like that's not a way to run an NBA team. Not when your competition, like let's say the Warriors are putting a ton of money into as much scientific research as possible and getting the best trainers and cutting edge stuff to like, just, just have a shot at limiting injuries, you know, an extra 15%. Cause like, that's really all you're doing. You're just kind of like, you're trying to play the margins so that, you know, less freak stuff happens essentially. And and when Anthony Davis comes out and asks for a trade next season, we're gonna end up blaming him, right? <laughs> Instead of what he's gone through in these past, you know, nearly over half a decade in New Orleans, right? We're gonna we're gonna like talk about him and and this transitions perfectly into like even Blake Griffin, who was traded today, like what he's done and what he's gone through for a franchise, and then all of a sudden, these guys who have dealt with him not that great, they're uh, just gonna trade him. Right, and they told him like, "Hey, you're going to be the face of the franchise." Blah 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 blah. Turn around and just flip him for some scrubs, right? And, and like a, a half-ass protected pick. Like, what do you expect these players to do? It's like you kind of here. Here's this LeBron part: this is, it. you can't be mad if they yeah. want to get get out of there. Here's the damning part on in uh, Tom's piece. He goes, last August, the team retained head physician and director of medical services, Dr. Misty Surrey, an orthopedist who had been fired from his other job with the New Orleans Saints for misdiagnosing players' broken leg, a player's broken leg as a contusion. Dr. Surrey was seen following Cousins to the locker room after he was carried off. I mean, I don't know. Like, it, I'm not going to pretend I follow doctors closely, but like you shouldn't be hiring someone who the football team fired for misdiagnosing people, you know, like at the very least, and this is not the first article on uh, Pelicans, let's say being cheap in terms of their medical staff and front office resources in the way that better teams aren't. But like, I mean, who knows? Like I'm, I'm willing to bet you if he was on the Celtics, you would have probably seen Boogie rested and playing 32 minutes a game like Kyrie does instead of 36 and them just trying to like figure out ways to win those extra five minutes a game. He doesn't play. Right. So yeah. I mean, it's like, I mean, it's, it's those little things that you don't really think about that just go such a long way. Um, now I, I don't know, but, and maybe it wasn't this, but I, I, I this stuff can't help, you know? <laughs> nope. 
no and and davis is at a certain point he's going to look around and he's going to see guys getting traded across the league and he's going to see what new orleans has done for him he's going to say what the as an aside as as an aside like that's why i kind of like don't read in too much too when people say oh anthony davis is always hurt i'm like is he really getting the best medical care you know like he might he maybe maybe he is big men tend to get hurt more often than guards just nature of the position but like yeah, I, I don't know. You know, I, I could see if he was in San Antonio, they'd probably take care of him a little better and we wouldn't be seeing Anthony Davis getting, you know, second quarter MRIs three times a week. <laughs> yeah. Look, he's playing 40 plus minutes in games like a guy that big and the guy that's banging that much uh, and he's playing both ends of the court. He's good on defense. He, he shouldn't be playing 40 some anyway. Um, that's, that's something that, that I get annoyed about. And then people start whining and saying, why are the Warriors, you know, they get lucky, blah, blah, blah. It's like, you look behind the scenes of what the Warriors are doing. There's a reason why they quote unquote get lucky, right? They put himself in the best position. It's like, if you're at work, you put himself in the, you put yourself in the best position and people might not know what you're doing or how you prepare and things like that. But if you're succeeding, there's a reason why, right? So, so that gets a little, <clears throat> a little bit annoying, but um we're gonna go talk about blake griffin because he got flipped and jerry west because uh i've got some thoughts we Uh, like this right i do i think it's um i think it's bold because i thought that the clippers were they were just going to be stuck in that between the seventh and the tenth seed for like the duration of blake's contract you know like blake's good and he can be really good, but I don't know that he's ever going to be. Uh, I, I just they they were just going to be stuck. So like now they're actually trying to make a play to do something different. Mm-hmm. Can you hear me? Oh, you there? Yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, I think it's it's all Jerry West though. Like you're saying, it's it's genius, man. It's they. He's not going to mess around and say, "Hey, these guys are going to be the eight seed, seven seed, even six seed." With what they've had, they're just going to tear it down, but get like semi-promising players and not totally miss the playoffs. I think he's kind of like Daryl Morey. Right? I think that's a good example of what he did with the Houston Rockets. Like get guys with decent potential. They're still going to flip uh, DeAndre Jordan, Lou Williams. I'm sure they'll get a couple picks back, and, and maybe they'll get a couple, you know, first rounders with with uh, decent decent potential. Get them back and try to get lucky getting a superstar through the draft. I think this is the way to go. Because and also the other thing is you can get out of the Warriors run too. Because um, if they max out now with the way with with Blake Griffin's crazy contract, like they're just gonna be mediocre throughout the Warriors and then they'll bottom out after. Nah, I think he he's smart enough to realize that if you rebuild now, they can come out two, three, four years from now and have a decent shot of being a t- contender again. I think uh, that's just, it. Just, it says a lot just, for him because he probably. Balmer doesn't want to tank. Balmer doesn't want to bottom out. Right, right, right. And that's pretty common for most new owners. I mean, Lakeup didn't want to. Uh, and he just got lucky the one year they did, they immediately turned it around, you know? Like, you, you see it with all new owners. Like, um, Vivek and Sack like, constantly didn't want to. And that's kind of probably why they're farther behind than they should be. Um, and But Jerry West, being who he is, was able to convince Balmer like we got to make this bold move because where we're headed with this current core is just kind of like 42 win, you know, (laughs) it's just like, it's okay, but it's nothing special. And I don't really want to be involved in like, you know, let's get to the first round and get slapped every year. Right. So, 
I don't know. They seem to think they're a real player for LeBron. LeBron if LeBron wants to go to LA, I don't know. They, oh, they might, who's they he going to play with, though? I think their move, if they do, oh, it, it's like gonna, it's gonna be selling is going to be selling the blank canvas roster. You know, like they're going to flip Lou and DeAndre and probably get picks or young pieces with that, which will allow them, if LeBron was willing to go there, to unload other contracts and then be like, yo, you can come. We'll also have money for Paul George. We'll also have money to put a couple other things around that and we can put a you know a pretty good team there mm. i don't know if he actually wants to but i mean the lake it seems like lebron may want to be in la i mean who wouldn't want to be in la right and the laker thing isn't necessarily that much better right? uh, you actually that's a good point if i were lebron i'd think about that because that, that's you can actually carve out a little piece of legacy there as well. Because if you go to the Lakers, what's he going to do that? You know, what's he going to do as a Laker that anybody hasn't done before, right? He's not going to win seven titles there, right? If he goes to a Laker, he's there's really not much he can do to kind of distinguish himself. He's LeBron James, yeah. But if he goes to the Clippers, now that's a good point because the Clippers are nothing. They've got nothing. I, I can't. I legitimately can't decide what's better for his like long term legacy because. If he goes to the Lakers, he's just another star who went to the Lakers, right? Like no, along with half the of thing. the great NBA players. But on the other hand, the Clippers are just kind of not. Like... <laughs> wait, 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 though. Listen, but if he wins a title as a Clipper and he wins a title in Cleveland and he has two titles in Miami, like look like he, he can say that he's resuscitated three franchises. That's like, true. That's legacy that that. But Michael if he wins one in L.A. with the Lakers, he can also say he kind of brought them back. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's true. It's God, just, he can it's, spin it any way he wants. It's just, it's just kind of a different thing. Like, if you go to the Lakers, you're just the next. Like, he'll, yeah. never, he'll never beat Kobe's relevance, that franchise, or Magic's, or, you know, stuff like that, right? He'd be like a Wilt Chamberlain or someone like that, which, honestly, considering what he did in Cleveland and everything, is probably more than enough, right? Are we but, talking about Wilt Chamberlain off the court or on the <laughs> I'm talking about the fact that Wilt went to the Lakers when he was ah, like 33. Ah, ah okay. <laughs> no, okay, Clay, Clay's challenging off the court. <laughs> um, okay, well, uh, yeah, if he wants to go, I think that yeah, I, I think that'd be cool. There's really not you, – you think about it's, it's cool as a Warriors fan because LeBron's kind of trapped. He's the best player in the game, I guess, but he's kind of trapped in terms of – where is he going to go that if he still thinks he can win a championship, where the hell is he going to go, right? Well, Unless he's going to take a mini contract. I, th- I think the reality is he's going to have to sacrifice something. We've, we've already talked about this. He's either leaving money on the table to have a, a more stacked team to legitimately have a shot to beat the Warriors. Houston, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If he goes to Houston, both him and Chris Paul will have to take less than the max. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, those guys, the guys that drew, that wrote in a clause in that, in that, uh, as the guys of the player association right. wrote in a clause for get extra money, those guys are going to take pay cuts. Yeah. Fuck it. Right. I mean, maybe, uh, but like <laughs> his options are either doing that or taking all of the money and knowing that you just, you, you know, you, you probably don't have a chance because it's just the cap dynamics are just too hard. You know, you would need to luck into the most ridiculous situation where like guys on rookie deals all of a sudden end up being superstars, you know? I guess if you think Lonzo and Ingram are, and Kuzma are on their way 
to being those breakout guys. Maybe the Lakers are the move because they're cheap right now and you go there and you bring another max guy and all of a sudden if they all break out, then you have like your own mini Warriors or Boston thing going on. But like that's a lot of moving parts and a lot of it is rose colored, not really like rooted in reality, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's LeBron screwed, in other words. Um, which is good for the Warriors. Um <laughs> Hey, don't worry. He's gonna he's gonna get Lou Will, who's basically just as good as Kyrie, so he can lose in four or five in the finals again. We should. So the trade deadline is on the eighth. I guess we we'll have a pod after that um, to go over the. So that's two weeks from now. Yeah, they'll have a. Yeah, we'll have a pod have, before it. I'm sure by next next, week, next week's pod we'll have some uh, uh, some some hot rumors. Right? So, <laughs> or maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe we'll just get another monster trade, which seems like it came out of left field. Like, did you see that Blake Griffin trade coming? No, I think nobody did. I think, uh, like, I, think, I, think Bla- I think I thought in my head, like, oh, they, they'll probably look to move Blake at some point. I, I did not see it coming, like, you know, January of 2018 or anything. That is, it's, it's all so obviously Jerry West, though. Like, it, it's, we should have, you, you look back on it, it's like, damn, we should have known, like, that, that Jerry West. I just West didn't think they'd up. have the audacity to trade him. Less That's than vicious. half a season after they sold him on being Mr. Clipper, you know, like this is your franchise. We, we want we want you to stay here. We want you to be like our, you know, Kobe, our Steph Curry, our you know, like our iconic guy who's been with the team for like 15 years. Well, and, yeah, boom. I mean, this is kind of he won the power struggle. Right, it kind of shows you that West won the power struggle. Whatever it was in the back office that was happening, in the front office that was happening. I mean, they demoted. Doc Riffers and 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 it's for the better because Russians. Doc probably would have never signed off on this because coaches no who are GMs do not like to like okay well we like might Stephen Conti. <laughs> yeah it's too why would you if you have to coach the team every day how would you feel it's like hey man we're gonna take away some of your best pieces and now your job's gonna suck every day you know like it's it's a it's not something a coach wants to do right. Yeah, shoot, that's that's uh, that's. I mean, good for the Clippers. I think it'll be good, and and we're hoping that LeBron goes there. I think is what is. I think that's that's we're, that's our podcast. Is we have confirmed that LeBron is a soon to be LA Clipper. Just the Laker fan reaction would just. Oh. I don't think I really don't think it's going to happen. Um, but I'm at this weird place where like every LeBron rumor seems unrealistic and realistic at the same time, like there's no hand being tipped in any direction. Like every rumor I hear, I'm like, there's no way. And then I'm like, Oh, but that makes sense too. <laughs> how, fa- how fast do you think Steph says no? When LeBron calls up, you know, Bob Myers and goes, you know, how, how you know, you guys want, you guys want to make a trade for me. How fast do you think Steph says no? <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. We got I would love, else, to, I would love uh, to see Steph just wanna... telling him to set, set better screens. <laughs> God, God, if LeBron was on the team, he probably would too. Just, and I think I I might I might just have to stop being a Warriors fan at that point, man. I think uh, I don't even <laughs> want the championships anymore. What's what's the point? Um, all right, we got anything else? No, that's it. I think we'll get out here today. We'll um, let's see. It's a light week for the Warriors, um, but then we got the Thunder next Tuesday, the sixth, right after the Super yeah. Bowl. So maybe we'll record uh, right after that game or something. Okay. Um, cool. Well, well, I gotta do before we forget because we never do this. Is if you guys have made it this far, make sure to uh, subscribe. 
uh, rate, uh, you know, five stars, whatever it is that you need to do. Go to your local Apple store and Target. All my friends do. Just click subscribe. That's it. Light Years Podcast. That's all you got to do. So uh, we'll be back next week to go over the Thunder and the, uh, the trade deadline. All right, man. Talk to you later.